this is Leslie. This is Liam. And this is Tim. And we are all trading money stress for real happiness. You are listening to Seeds, usually a 15-minute debrief on young people's common money challenges. But this time, we're stoked to be hosting the Future of Finance series, highlighting our favorite industry leaders and influencers and their top tips for managing your money. And today, we're excited to feature Millennial Money, a company and podcast dedicated to creating a new language around money wellness to help you have a better relationship with your cash. Their podcast takes deep dives into money matters that plague us all and helps you find balance in your hectic daily lives. Listen up to start living your best life now. This pod will expand your brain. They create a community environment to help you solve all those nagging questions that you have about personal finance, all while having fun along the ride. And representing the Millennial Money Podcast is none other than host and founder, Shanna Compton Game a podcaster, speaker, writer, wellness and mental health advocate. I mean, I can continue to go on, but you guys are starting to realize how big of a deal this is. Shanna's actually a certified financial planner and she's been helping people untangle that mess of our day-to-day money problems for years. Her passion is in creating a movement, the new Americana of money, her words, can't wait to hear more, and really help make money a regular and not taboo topic. Shanna, so excited to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited. It's uh, it's a little overwhelming when somebody reads your bio. <laughs> I'm so excited. Shanna, you, you know our podcast is designed to help trade money stress for real happiness. What does happiness mean to you and how are you using finances to get there? A hundred percent. It means balance to me. Happiness is about having a little taste of everything. Think of like your favorite ice cream flavors, right? All mixed together. And so how I use money to get there is by really having um, my, what I call the two components of success, my money mindset coupled with the actual strategies, tips, and tools around money you put those two things together and I think you can really cultivate that balance uh, that I long for and that I try to help other people with as well. Mm. You're, you're preaching to the choir, Shanna, as my word of 2021 is peace. So I'm really feeling the balance thing. Um, and I know that so many of us in the personal finance space come into the space because of something that we've experienced ourselves. So I'm curious from your perspective, Have you experienced any personal finance challenges or or maybe even witnessed them that have kind of shaped your journey? Yeah, I think we aren't human if, um, if we haven't. I think, you know, one of the great things is that we all have had these, these experiences, probably most of us, some sort of negative experience when it, when it comes to money. And, um, you know, I think because we don't openly talk about money, I mean, we're doing this on our, on this show, we're doing it on my show, but most of us generally don't openly talk about money. So it 
creates this really isolated feeling where you feel like my problem is only my problem when in actuality, all of us here probably have a version of that, of that same problem. So, uh, you know, I, I was in college and I started a business when I was in college, which is really sort of my boot camp and becoming, I think a ninja really with, with learning budgeting before I really understood what that meant. But I was dealing with large, very large sums of money. I ended up selling that business out of college. Um, and then I ended up, you know, getting into credit card debt, which most most students, most humans end up doing. And I really had to figure my way through that. I've been in and out of debt several times in my life, sometimes by my own doing, sometimes by some, you know, force of nature that kind of came in there. But, um, you know, I think that we all have made, you know, numerous money mistakes, myself included. But for me, it really was um, having this, this scared anxiety um, feeling around money and really money being sort of in the driver's seat versus putting myself in the driver's seat. And I really had to learn how to change that dynamic. And I did that through a process myself. And then I'm also a certified financial planner, used to work with clients, don't work with them any longer. But, you know, seeing across from people, people who, who are all different ages, who made all different types of incomes, had all different types of jobs, and realizing, hey, they all suffered for the same thing too. So, uh, but to answer your question, I mean, a thousand percent, I am the first one to admit uh, many, many, many different money mistakes. Yeah, and Sean, I'm glad you brought, brought up that, uh, that you started a business when you were in college, because I was actually listening to your podcast cast a couple days ago and I was really interested to talk to you a little bit more about that um, obviously something incredible and, and obviously something that would um, you know take a lot of time and a lot of management while you were still in college uh, many of our listeners are recent grads as you reflect on your own journey what do you wish you knew when you were starting to build your adult relationship with money and starting that business at the same time yeah, I think number one thing that uh, I wish I would have known is really understanding that I had sort of, we all have this unconscious relationship with money, right? A lot of it is developed from childhood. We carry that through and it's unconscious. It's kind of sitting in inside of us. And that relationship with money is determining a lot of the habits we have that are good and a lot of the habits we have that maybe aren't so good around money. So I really wish I would have understand how I think, act, and feel about my money at that particular age. I think it would have stopped uh, me from maybe getting in some of the money mistakes that I did have. But I think I also would have just really wanted to understand the power in tracking your money inflows, but more importantly, your money outflows. And a lot of us are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an app or we, we use a little Excel template, but most of us don't do it effectively. And so, you know, I always tell everybody like we can lie to ourselves about how much money we're spending. I mean, it's really easy to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's power in actually looking at the real numbers. And again, that puts you in the driver's seat and lets you make positive decisions about your money that then I think have a great like ripple effect going forward. So I think I, if I if I could have understood those two things at that young age, I think that would have helped me get off at least to a little bit better start than 
than I probably did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Shana, I'm glad you brought that up too, especially as Tim mentioned, a lot of our listeners being at that age where you're kind of at the point where it's time to start to educate yourself, right? Um, and I do want to pivot now looking at kind of the industry. So getting a little bit more broad, but looking at the future of finance, our topic for the series, do you have any maybe uncommon, but maybe passionate opinions of what lies ahead for the average American? Wow. Uh, yeah, the average American, I mean, I think we're really in this place where we have to be our own advocate we have to learn, we have to seek answers, we have to seek advice. Uh, You know, there are no longer companies out there that are saving for our retirement. You know, this is something we have to do for ourselves. I think that life is only gonna get more and more expensive, more and more complex. And so I think we really have to learn how to be our own advocates. We have to learn how to ask questions and not be afraid to say, hey, I don't know how this works with my money. Can you help me figure it out, right? And I also think we have to, we have to sit in the reality that most of us just can't have one job and make it. Most of us have to have multiple different buckets of money that I call buckets of money. And uh, we have to have different places that we can access our money going forward because the cost of, of just living life is, is going up dramatically. And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but we're all going to live a lot longer than even our parents, but certainly our grandparents and other generations. And while that's fantastic, because we all want to live, right? We all want to do things, but just that inherently creates the need for a lot more money. And so I think that we just have to be a lot more proactive maybe than even previous generations have been. Definitely, yeah. And, you know, circling back to when you mentioned that we have to learn and seek answers and seek advice, um, there can be a ton of advice out there and it can be kind of hard to sift through at times. What failures or or bad advice do you currently see in the direct consumer finance industry and how would you advise someone to avoid those? Uh, I love this question. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, I have a little bit of a, of a strong opinion on this one, so um, I'll, I'll try to be very concise. A couple of things stand out. I mean, one is that I won't name names, but there are certain money experts out there that claim that if you follow like a 10-step checklist, that uh, you're going to be doing money, quote unquote, correctly. And I just say that's BS. Um, that money doesn't work that way. We're all individual, right? We're all going to come in at it at different places and different um, steps and action steps are going to be appropriate for us all at, at different times. We all have a different vision of life, right? So uh, some of us want to stop working early. Some of us want to find something we can do for the rest of our lives. I mean, there's just all of these different details. And so this idea that's out there that you can somehow follow some sort of checklist and be perfect with your money and be doing it correctly, I think is, is a large disservice to people because that is absolutely not true. And I think that's what uh, keeps this idea of like fear and stress and anxiety around money is we feel like we're not doing it perfectly or, or we don't have everything set the way we should. We haven't checked all those 10 items off. And so that's something that really gets under my skin. And I think the other thing, you know, which I know you guys are really working hard to achieve. And I, I 
I really commend you for is that, um, you know, who are you getting advice from? You know, if, if you're on TikTok or social media and you're getting investing tips or money tips, who's giving those? Do they have credentials to do that? You know, have they actually worked with people? You know, I, I think it's easy to just go on and, and talk about, you know, how maybe somebody paid off a large amount of debt. Well, that that's different. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of money advice, I think, that's being given through social media and other platforms that it, it scares me a little bit because it's kind of being given as like common, like these are the things that everybody should do. Or the, these are the, the places that everybody should invest. And that's just not the case. And so I think, you know, you just got to be really careful about where you're getting advice, the sources that you're going through. Um, so those would be probably like my two hot, hot buttons right now. <laughs> two hot buttons. And, and might I say hot takes as well. I mean, for, for us at, at CWC and Seeds, you know, to, to see the, I won't call it noise, but to see the, the volume, the volume of advice out there, it's helpful to get expertise like yours to really direct and say, you know what, no, a customized approach makes sense. Or in some situations, you know, maybe we're not all going to jump on the bandwagon of LLC Twitter to create LLCs out of thin air to try to avoid taxes in some way. I mean, certainly, Shin, I, I'm, I'm really, really, uh, you're preaching the choir here. Um, and I, I appreciated how earlier you talked about kind of as we look to our generation and what that looks like as we potentially think about things like retirement, as we get older, um, a lot of us are kind of stumped around this big question, this elephant in the room of, of healthcare. So I kind of want to pivot here from industry and, and given your expertise on so many money topics, we'd love to get your perspective on honestly, how the heck should we be thinking about healthcare as we budget? plan and try to build wealth as a 20 or 30 something? Yeah, that's such a good question, Leslie. And I think there isn't, you know, the crystal ball, like right answer other than just the reality that healthcare is only getting more and more expensive. It's not getting less expensive. And so because most of us are going to live longer, that means we're probably going to need uh, you know, healthcare for a, for a much longer period of time. Uh, we might have ailments that we come in and out of, and so there's a real reality. You know, the the statistics right now are that you know healthcare is like one of those things that is really bankrupting older people and stopping them from being able to actually retire. And so, you know, we we have to plan for that. We have to we have to save. You know, more than we than we think. I think people used to throw out the old number of like, well, you just need to save a million bucks and you're golden. Well, that that's not the case anymore. Certainly not if you're in your twenties and thirties, right? That, that a million might now look like three or 4 million or five or six, which sounds like a huge number, but that just means we've got to really be smart with the money we have now. We got to be really diligent about how we're saving, how we're growing a portion of that money, you know? Uh, I think another thing to really think about is the health plan that you're currently on now. A lot of us are on the wrong plan. You know, what does it look like for you? Are, do you go to the doctor very often? You know, do you, do you need big surgeries coming up? You know, are you on the right plan with as far as deductible and co-pays and out-of-pocket max and all of those sorts of things? 
I, I think most of us just, we choose a health plan and maybe we stick with that like year after year after year. And that, that might be costing us more money than we actually need to spend. Like maybe we could do something better with some of those premiums, or maybe we're just on a plan that, you know, or we, I should say we live a life where we just need to spend money, more money on our healthcare, you know? And um, so it's, it's also looking at it every year from that perspective and saying what's coming up, you know, what is the best plan for me to be on? And uh, you know, how can I really maximize that? There's another, uh, you know, great tool. A lot of the uh, high uh, deductible plans have a component that where you can have a health savings account. I'm a huge fan there. You might've seen them, uh, HSA accounts, health savings accounts. They're a separate savings account from your, your health insurance plan, but they're kind of like having your cake and eating it too, because you can put money in there that's tax deductible, right? It grows tax deferred. And if you use it for certain health expenses, you don't pay taxes on it. So you can take that money out or you can, you know, let the money keep growing in, in that account. So there are lots of different tools with your health care. But I think, you know, certainly in your 20s and 30s, even if you are healthy, to really think about that health care component now and start saving and also really look at, am I on the best plan for me? Is, is a really smart way, I think, to just get ahead of that, of that game. Cause the reality is we're all going to need healthcare and it's going to be expensive, you know? So it's just, how are we going to put that together so that hopefully we don't get in a place where, you know, we don't, we don't have money to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, so Shanna, thanks so much for, for this insight, because I'm so curious for those of us that are in our 20s or some of our listeners in 30s what are some things that we should know about insurance premiums and just thinking about long-term health financially yeah I think it's really easy like when you're in your 20s and even early 30s to think you know what I'm on this like great trajectory right like I'm in my career I'm making money I'm just gonna go up and up and up and up and up well you know, I, I feel like I'm like um, bursting a lot of bubbles on this episode, but <laughs> uh, you know, the reality is that doesn't always happen for for most of us. Is there's, you know, if we look at what happened in 2020, a lot of people who had jobs, steady jobs, who thought everything was golden, suddenly, you know, the, the rules changed in 2020. So I think as much as we need to think about like growing our money and saving our money and all of investing, all that good stuff, we also need to think about the protection side of our money to make sure that we're covering some of the risks we might have, you know, and in our twenties and thirties, it might be things like, you know, am I on the right uh, car insurance plan? You know, am I just choosing a car insurance plan because it's cheap? which is not, not a good way to do it. Uh, but am I, am I on the right plan that if I actually did get in an accident, you know, it not only covers me, but the other person, um, you know, I, um, I teach at a university here in Los Angeles and one of the students a couple years ago who had just turned 20 came to me and said, I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy. And I said, why? And he said, well, I decided I didn't really want to pay for my car insurance. So I let it lapse and I hit a car yesterday and now they're suing me for, you know, like $35,000. So, uh, I mean, that's a little extreme scenario, but you know, we, we have to look at the risks and say, uh, 
you know, not only do we have enough coverage for certain things, but are, are we realistic that, um, you know, there are some risks for all of us that exist, little things, even like if you're renting, you know, do you have renter's insurance? You know, if you, if there was a fire at your apartment or condo or a water leak or something like that, what's going to pay for all the stuff that's inside that's damaged that that that's worth money right so maybe we spend a few bucks every month just to like feel safe we've got that covered um you know there's there's certainly life insurance uh life insurance may not be a fit for everyone certainly in their 20s and 30s but you know if you're married if if someone relies on you for income a life insurance is a pretty good pretty inexpensive way to cover a, a risk. And so I think, you know, we really need to look at like whatever risk is exist potentially in your life right now, or maybe in the next couple of years. And are you covered for those risks so that you don't have to drain all your money? You know, you don't have to pull all your money out if something happens. And I think that that balancing act is really important. That that balance theme keeps coming up for us. And I, I really love it because um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull on an old family uh, adage, which I think was borrowed from some British influencer at some point in time, which is that you don't want to be uh, penny wise, but pound foolish. In other words, pinching pennies and getting the cheapest thing all the time. Hate to break it to you. We're going to knock down some doors here today, Shanna. Uh, that is not always the best way to go about doing things, okay, team? So we really need to think about how do you think for yourself in the long term as well as in the short term. So I really appreciate that almost, I won't call it a reality check, but just a good gentle reminder that well, what really protecting yourself and protecting, you know, what makes your life continue to move forward is important, especially on the health front. Um, and Shanna, as I, as I brought up my family, uh, I, I really wanted to get your take on one last kind of healthcare related question here in, in, in our time together. Um, knowing that myself, I know Liam and Tim and, and others are family people. You know, we really care about the people around us, particularly older generations, but also potentially siblings, dependents, etc. Curious if you have any takeaways or any suggestions to think about how do we plan for our loved ones and their health needs? I know this is a huge question, but uh, any advice would be well appreciated. Yeah, that is a really big question. And we're, again, you know, we're all in different scenarios of this, but the reality is all of our parents are going to get older and things are going to happen with our parents. And so I think one of the best things you can do, honestly, is have a conversation with your parents, you know, break down some of those stigmas and those walls about talking about money and, and talk to them about maybe how they've planned for healthcare or even haven't, right? We have to have these conversations to understand then, well, what changes and what things can we do going forward? So I think the first thing is just to have that conversation to understand what are your parents or your loved ones? What are their wishes? What do they want? What have they planned? What haven't they planned? You know, how can you at this point, maybe if there isn't a plan, how can you step in there and help create one? Uh, and, and also to think about from your perspective, 
what is your idea of how you want to help these loved ones if something happened to them from a health perspective? You know, what are, what are you willing to do and not do? And, you know, maybe not everybody in their early twenties, but you know, later twenties, thirties, like people are getting married or in long-term relationships. So then you've got two people and you've got two sets of parents. And so then you need to have a conversation with your partner. What do we want to do? How do we both feel? And you, you both kind of need to, you know, agree on that. And then you've got those two sets of parents. So, you know, the numbers just start multiplying, but I really think it starts from this place of just having a conversation, being able to be vulnerable. I know it's awkward. Um, I just did an episode on our podcast about awkward money conversations. And this is one of those awkward conversations, but, you know, breaking down that wall and, and having that, that conversation really is the place then of, of starting to say, okay, so here's where we're at. Where do we want to go and how do we get there? Right. And then it's just about like, you know, putting the puzzle pieces together, if you will. But so many times we wait till there is that health emergency or our parents are older and we just never really wanted to talk to them about money. And then we're kind of like working backwards in that situation. So I think that if we can really think about our money from as best we can, like a proactive perspective all the way around. So like really holistically, that's going to help get rid of a lot of like the stress and fear and anxiety around money as best as we can, because we're actually doing something that is moving us in a forward direction. But, but that's a great question. I, I, I wish that I had the ultimate answer, but I really think again, it just starts from that conversation piece. Definitely. Absolutely agree. I wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about millennial money. So you have the podcast that drops every Tuesday and Friday, you have your webpage and you have those monthly emails with the video tips and, and chats. Uh, what else should we be looking out uh, for, for millennial money in the next year or so? Well, millennial money has been a wild journey. I would have never imagined. We just celebrated our sixth birthday. Uh, I would have never... I would have never imagined in 2015 that I would still be here talking about it or that people would actually listen. So uh, as you mentioned, we crossed 15 million downloads, uh, like 164 countries, and it's really just like a privilege to be able to have these conversations about money and talk about it from uh, from what I think a more balanced, better, less judgmental perspective. And that's what I love. So I think the future, you know, is always up. We're just continuing to grow. This this podcast has grown almost almost 100% just word of mouth, just people telling people and friends saying, oh, you got to listen to this episode or, you know, you got to subscribe. And so that's really exciting. But because of the podcast, I actually started uh, a new business this year called Hello, It's Me with our, uh, we create tools to help you live a more authentic life. And our first tool is called the Money Mindset Journal, which is a process that I created myself to try and help my own money mindset and then taught clients and friends and other people and decided, you know what, this thing needs to be like an actual thing. So uh, that's our first product. We've got lots of other fun things down the pipeline, but um, I'm just on this like constant mission to help people have a better relationship with money, to be able to approach it again without all the dread and fear and stress. 
And I really think that if we can do that, that we can really empower people and dare I say, maybe change the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Shana, I love your, your adaptability and flexibility of kind of understanding the current environment and making your information and, and tips and best practices and experiences even more accessible to people through a different model and different means of communication. Um, we are very appreciative of that being part of a very similar community, it sounds like. Um, it, one of my questions is, is, you mentioned earlier how we have some unforeseen circumstances a lot of times, this year being the pandemic, right? So in 2020s, sustainable jobs, something happens, wow, now we're out of work. Now we might have no insurance if we had insurance tied from our work. Um, so it's hit so many of us. So I want to ask you, when you feel overwhelmed or helpless about a financial situation, what do you do? <laughs> That's a great question. And, and this is something I have to work on literally every single day. So it's, it's really the backbone to why I created uh, the journal that I created. It's, it's really sort of a grounding practice for me every single day. But for me, it's little things like whether it's a mantra, something that I keep saying to myself over and over again. Um, I'm a big meditator. So I actually have created money meditations that I listen to when I start feeling ah, like really stressed out about money that help ground me. Uh, there's also a, this is, I could read off like a million different scientific, uh, facts behind this, but one of the simplest things, and this is going to sound almost too simple to believe it until you try it is grounding yourself in one, two, three, four, five, doesn't matter what the number is, things that you're grateful every day. And that simple practice of recognizing the good things that are happening, the good things that you can appreciate is really powerful in rewiring your brain and helping you then be able to look at the problem or look at the situation that you're in from a different perspective. And so a lot of this is about just tricking yourself into a place where you can let go of some of the fear and stress and just be able to see it from a little higher, you know, level perspective than feeling like you're right in kind of the, the, you know, boxing ring with it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's usually just these little things every day that you do. Uh, there isn't a magical solution. There isn't a, you know, magic potion. I really wish there was, but I think it's just saying, okay, this is where I'm at acknowledging it. This is how I feel about it. Okay. Get it. I wish it was different, but here's where I'm at. What are, what's maybe one thing I can do today that maybe can help this situation even just a little bit. One thing, just one thing. I don't have to solve the whole problem today. Just one thing. And then can I do one thing tomorrow? And then can I do one thing, you know, the next day and, and through all of that, can I also find these moments to, to basically let some of that anxiety go. Like, can I go for a walk or, or watch my favorite movie or do whatever, right? Can I get my mind out of that spiral? And so I think all of those things are just really important. And it's, it's going to be different for all of us, but it's a really important um, practice to find that awareness and space so that we can actually look at the money problem for what it is 
And from that viewpoint, then that's when we're able to really start saying, okay, here's how I can maybe change this even just a little bit. Mm. I, I love the focus on the minutia, the, the one little, it's like the next five minutes and then just focus on the next five minutes. And, and I think a lot of us, or at least I'll speak for myself, a, a lot of us are inundated with a list of 10, 20, 30 things that we should be tracking or we should be doing, and it can get very overwhelming at once. So I, I'm curious, Shanna, for, for those of us that are in our 20s or even in our 30s, if you were to distill down into something to track or something to kind of keep an eye on to ensure that financial health continues to stay strong, what would you suggest? I, I, have, a, I have a feeling you might say something around um, money affirmations or money meditation, but might as well ask to, to see if that's really the thing we should be tracking. Well, those things are always great. Like just the daily question of like, how am I feeling today? How do I feel about money or my situation today? Like, can I just get that out? Right. I think that's really important. I've got a couple of things. I think the other thing is, um, what is my vision for my life? Right. I, I think a lot of us keep that like stuck in our head, but getting that out on paper is a really powerful exercise. In fact, there's a stat that says that writing down your dreams and goals, the people who do earn nine times more than people who don't. So there's something really powerful about extracting from your brain. You don't have to have it all figured out, right? But let yourself envision what you want to do, the things you want to achieve without all of the, the judgment and all of the roadblocks, right? Get that out of your head. I think that's really powerful. From, from a pure money perspective, I think two things come to mind. One is I really want you to track what is going out of your bank account, where it's going. And then I want you to find one category, one category where it's maybe not going the way you want it to go. And can you set a little boundary around one category? For most of us, it's eating out, honestly, if I'm going to be honest. But can you find one little area where maybe you can just tweak it a little bit? And the amount of money you save, can you slide that towards a goal, whether that's investing or emergency fund or debt, whatever that is, right? And then the last thing I would say is just um, look at what your savings rate is. So how much each month are you saving divided by the amount you're making? That equals your savings rate, right? And I want you to be somewhere north of zero, <laughs> uh, ideally I want you to be somewhere around 20%, but that's a big number for a lot of people. So if you could even give half a percent or 1%, I don't care what the number is, as long as it's bigger than zero, that way you're cultivating this habit of, I need to, I need to create some money for myself, right? N not just have it go to all my bills. I need to create some money for myself. And, and what I do with it is, is purely up to you. But um, I think knowing your savings rate is also really important just to give you that little, you know, some of us like to challenge ourselves a little bit like, oh, man, I saved 1% last month, maybe I could do 2% this month. So whatever you need to do to get the job done, but I think it's important that you're also giving yourself something and not just paying everybody else. So I'm, I'm scribbling away over here because I have some <laughs> homework. So we've got one category 
that is the main outflow. Uh, it might be DoorDash. I think, I think you have a crystal ball somehow. Um, and then on top of that, savings rate. So comparing what I'm making to how much I'm saving. Um, Shanna, in, in, in all honesty, not only were those takeaways so impactful, but just so appreciate your time here today. I mean, jokingly and, and in, in my real life, I'm technically married to medicine. Um, and so you'd think that I'd be more comfortable talking about topics such as healthcare and how to budget for and plan for that. But the reality is that a lot of my vulnerabilities and insecurities come around, how do I loop my family in? How do I talk about conversations that are potentially very delicate um, and also potentially might be, you know, drastically change what I can do and, and how I pursue my own path. So, um, so, so appreciative of you, of all the notes I've gotten today. And, and thanks so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, Lizanne, just getting on top of that, I could not agree more. Um, Shannon, I love how you brought up at the beginning of you know, talking about behavioral finance. I think, you know, really understanding how, you, like you said, you think, act, and feel about money is so important and, and so key to building a strong financial structure. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's the proof is in the pudding here, team. It's not just our community at Seeds. It's also the millennial money community that is collectively pursuing happiness, collectively pursuing that empowerment and fulfillment through the right principles, systems, and habits. So thank you, all of our listeners, for tuning in today. Let us help you achieve your goals and celebrate you when you do. Yes, and we'd love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or Twitter with your reactions to this series and your questions for future episodes. If you don't follow us already, you can find our handles in the podcast description. Lastly, huge shout out to Shanna for joining us, dropping some gems, some nuggets. Um, one of my takeaways, Leslie said it best, I have a little bit of homework to do. Um, but just being vulnerable with your family, I think, is the greatest takeaway for me, right, when it comes to a lot of this health insurance, because a lot of folks that are younger um, historically have better health than folks that are older, right? It's almost inevitable with age um, in a lot of cases, and I think it's really important that we look at those around us and kind of our supporting staff and our mentors and our family and just understand, okay, that's where I might be one day. Um, I need to start planning for that today. Uh, Shannon, I want to turn it back to you for a minute. Any last words that you have for the audience today? Uh, no, this this has been this has been amazing. I would say, you know, just sit and really think about uh, again that, that relationship you have with money. How does money make you feel? Uh, I think the awareness of that is really powerful. And then think about today. What's one little money step that you could take today? It's going to help you get closer to your goals. And that's your action step. I love it. And if you need some extra encouragement, go ahead and check out Millennial Money on their website. They also, as Tim mentioned, have podcast episodes dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays. So you could do a Tuesday Millennial Money, a Wednesday Seeds, and then take a quick break to take some notes. Friday, get back in with Millennial Money. Uh, there is so much to learn here. But in the meantime, team, we'll catch you next week for our next future finance special guest from Wealthfront, a digital wealth management company helping 
all Americans invest from wherever they're starting with. So anyways, so glad to have Millennial Money on this week. And we'll talk to you next week, team. Signing off. Signing off. Thank you.